Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And happy Tuesday, June 13, 2023. We're going to bring Mike Lindell in uh, just a few minutes uh, on one of our Prophets and Patriots episodes. It's going to be really good. He's got a lot to share, including his amazing testimony. So looking very much forward to that. Before we do that, I want to, some of you did not see this yesterday. A lot of you did not see it because the viewing audience rotates through. So it's always each show is a different. I want to show that artesian well that that you just drilled in Ethiopia. It's the biggest one we've ever been part of. And you watch as this gusher comes in. Uh, it, it came in at uh, eight gallons a second which is a big gusher, and you'll see it just as the well succeeds and gushes out. Uh, if We don't normally do wells this big because this is going to serve a whole uh, area. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and watch that, and then I'll be back. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so eight, eight uh, gallons a second. Uh, it's an artesian well, which means it's already under its own pressure, uh, because of the rock formations beneath the earth, that's what makes an artesian well. It's it's got pressure underneath uh, with rocks surrounding it, and it just keeps pushing it out. So uh, now let's go ahead and run then the spot about some of the smaller wells that we're doing as well. Here we go with that. Over seven million people in Uganda lack access to safe, clean water, but you are changing that statistic by providing access to clean water. But there is still a need. There are still many who don't have access to clean water. Would you continue to help bring clean water to the beautiful people of Uganda? Donate today online at ElijahStreams.com. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for so much. On behalf of ourselves, on behalf of the Lord, I put words to it. Thank you so much for providing um, life-giving water. The first one was in Ethiopia. This one, the second clip was in Uganda. So, Thank you so much. You're changing people's lives and, and, and bringing people to the Lord in very large numbers because of that. So, all right, time to bring in Mike Lindell. Uh, so, oh, I'll quick, they want me to announce that Kim Robinson will be on tomorrow, so don't miss that. So it's time for Prophets and Patriots uh, episodes. Here, here's Mike Lindell. Here we go. Mike Lindell, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it very, very much. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, it's a very, very different day for me. I can use all your prayers. We've uh, at my pillow, Yeah, tell our, people what's going on. Yeah, tell them. Yeah, our call center is completely down. All the incoming numbers. And it's a very, it's called, it's very high up. It's not within our company's power to be able to fix this. So we ask for all your prayers. We are... This is catastrophic. It's never happened in all my years in business, and they're doing everything they can to try and correct the problem, but uh, it's out of our control, so we can use your prayers, everybody. Absolutely. Please do, and I don't, you, you had told us off the air how much you were losing an hour. It's, it's, it's uh, talk about catastrophic, so please do, yeah. do pray. I used a call center one time years and years ago for a different business, and things weren't working at all, suddenly went down. I, I feel your pain, man, and so yeah, uh, our prayers are with you, Lord. We just, by the way, let me just, Lord, we lift up Mike's Lindell's call center that he's using to do this. We we pray, Lord, that this call center will be uh, brought right back up instantaneously. We take power over all the power of the enemy as you gave us authority to do 
We send all the hosts of heaven, however many it takes, Lord, to bring this power, uh, this power back up and the phones back up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, go ahead and tell us, uh, uh, you're sort of the man that needs no introduction, and yet, uh, you know, we've seen you with uh, the election stuff and President Trump, we've seen you with my pillow, it sounds like, so we don't need to introduce you that way, but talk, <laughs> most people have never heard your testimony. You've got quite a story of coming to the Lord, so I'm going to just turn that over to you. Okay, um, well, you got to go all the way back, I guess, uh when I was uh, in, I was seven years old and my parents divorced back in the late 1960s and divorces weren't common then. And yeah. in fact, I got, I got moved to another a school and uh, where I didn't know anybody. And I was the only kid from a divorced family. And I, you know, and I'm not blaming all the stuff that happened to me on that, but I, uh, the, the family, it just shows you what a family, broken family can do. And what happened is I, I met my, I either became very shy and didn't talk to people because I didn't know anyone or I would show off the kind of these two opposite yeah. extreme. You know, I had a thing, uh, hey, watch me climb out of this bus window and, you know, and I jumped through a moving <laughs> bus window, you know, they, but um, um, I got into and, and uh, I graduated, but I got into, uh, you know, I was brought up, I, you know, I went to Bible school and all these things. And there was a lot of seeds planted back then for the, uh, for my faith, but uh um, I would have, okay, when that, you know, when I graduated from high school, over the next five years, I remember at my class reunion, and I get to my class reunion, five-year class reunion, and all of them were either had gotten married and starting families or uh, had advanced in their jobs, finished college, all these things, and I had done nothing but worked at a drive-in movie theater, and a, uh, I had dropped out of college in the first quarter. Uh, and worked at a grocery store, which I got fired at. And but one of the things when I got to this reunion, I kind of took over the reunion, and and uh, I was telling them all, you know, I uh, fell asleep on my motorcycle and crashed it going skydiving, and the same day my parachute didn't open, and and uh, I was telling about owing the mafia all this money for football bets, and uh, I came to my whoa. house to break, you know, break my arms at 17 years old. Well, uh, but I kind of. I took over that reunion because that's all I had. But when I got home that night, I laid in bed and this deep sadness came over me that I wanted what they had. And I would be, I would have these reactionary prayers to God all the time, praying, God, please, please get me out of this and help me. And I, you know, I'll never do this again or this again. So I always had that kind of relationship, but God did answer my prayers and I ended up getting married. I had a 20 year marriage and, and, uh, but it had, by then I'd manifested these wounds that me within me and manifested into addiction and i got into cocaine in the early 1980s and and uh anyone out there that says addiction is just some addict in the street all homeless is wrong i mean i've been there too but addiction affects all of us no matter how many forks we eat with okay and uh functioning addicts are everywhere and it's just uh wounds my um one of the things with me as i found out later was um, you know, addictions give you false courage. They give, they mask pain and all these things. But for me, I had this, um, um, wound of being a rejection wound where you don't get rejected if you don't talk. So, you know, um, when you, if you'd have told me years later, I'd be talking to this big voice to the country, I would have said, Hey, that's wrong. I ain't going to happen. But, uh, 
I was, uh, I, w- I had a 20, 20 year marriage, raised a family, very functioning addicts. I, I was always an entrepreneur, had different, I, once I um, became a carpet cleaner because my sister flooded a third story apartment building with her waterbed. So I'm going problem solution, right? And uh, so I had this parallel track of, uh, of, like I say, entrepreneurship along with uh, addiction and everything. And um, I invented my pillow in 2004, but by then I had gotten into crack cocaine. Wow. And, and with crack cocaine, it's a different drug than cocaine. And if anyone that's been into any of these drugs and, and it's a very paranoid drug, you're peeking out windows. So, and I, you know, for me, God protected me all through those years. Um, I used to go after the bars would close. I, and I owned a bar back then too. Oh, wow. Not a good place for an addict, but <laughs> after the bars would close, my friends and I would be, we'd be at the at houses, you know, different people's houses. And after the bars would close and I doing cocaine and drinking. And I'd, I'd be telling them all about revelation and God that I read about when I was in jail and all the time we'd be in jail and uh, for DWIs and stuff. And so I would be basically trying to convince them, but really I was trying to convince myself and they'd end up quitting and finding the Lord. And I'm still, you know, out there. My other friends are going, will you quit talking? We're losing friends. And, but um, one of the things is in my life, I always looked at God, God existence as mathematics. I would say, this is if this happens, it's a one in a million, or this is a one in a billion, or this could never happen. And when do you add them together and consider it a miracle? Hmm. Well, my life was full of near death, 14 near death experiences. I've had God protected me all through that. And especially during the crack years when I invented my pillow, because obviously you I had you know, it's almost living two separate lives. I'd be out, I was turned down everywhere for my pillow with a box store. It's kind of like now. But uh and so I ended up doing fairs and home shows uh, for for years, and but I could never obviously show up, uh, you know, high. So I was to be, you know, it was like these two separate mics out there, and I wow. I would keep I would keep my word over here. But but I want to tell you, up, and then I got get um, got a divorce in two. Everything collapsed. People were stealing the company in two thousand seven. I got divorced and uh, of twenty years. And by 2008, there was hardly anything left of, uh, of my life. And I, the drug dealers, I was downtown Minneapolis and, and uh, I came out of the room and I've been up for about, you know, 10 to 14 days, somewhere there. There's, they've, to this day, we've argued over how many days I was awake. Well, the three drug, biggest drug dealers were standing there and I'm going and right in downtown Minneapolis and I'm going, and they knew of each other, but they knew, they had never met. And I come out of the room. I go, what are you guys doing? And they go, you guys know each other? They go, Mike, uh, we're cutting you off. You've been up for 14 days for a couple of weeks and we're cutting you off. And I said, what is this, an intervention? They said, call it whatever you want. And uh, but and the one guy left, you're not getting from me. Well, the other guy went down and got the word out on the streets. Well, it was about 2.30 in the morning and the guy was sitting up. He says, how much crack do you have left? And I showed him and he said, and he's sitting in a chair next to me and by that time, he had finally fell asleep. By that time, I was carpet farming and scraping my pipe. And anyone that's a crack addict would know what I'm talking about. Well, I looked over and he was asleep. So I went out to the streets of Minneapolis. About an hour, I looked for crack. There's, I mean, in any big city in this country, you can get drugs in the middle right, of the night. Right. Well, 
they were avoiding me. I come up to him, ask him if he had gotten the word out, don't sell this guy, guy anything. And I came back up to the room, our apartment, and he was waiting up for me. And, and he, he says, uh, how'd that work out for you? And I was all upset. And he said, he said, you know, you've been telling us for years that you're going to quit all this addiction and you're going to come back and help us get about, get out of this uh, addiction world we're living in or addiction um, lifestyle we're leading. Because I would preach to those, the drug dealers too that I'm going to quit. I, I know God's got this platform for me. And, and uh, so he wow. said, he goes, give me, he said, give me your phone. I'm going to take a picture. And you're going to need it for that book because I was always telling him I was going to write a book someday. Well, that picture is on the cover of the book. Really? One of the wow. From Crack Addict to CEO. But now, now to tell you, everybody, I didn't quit that day. It was a year later. On January 16, 2009, I got, I knew that God, I knew that God had big plans. We all have, uh, you know, platform um, callings. And God's calling for me. My sister kept saying, you know, um, God's got a big calling for you and you you got to quit standing in front of semis. Cause basically I wow. thought, you know, I, I could do whatever I wanted and procrastinate cause I knew he had this calling. Well, that day on January 16, 2009, it was like a crossroad. I knew with every part of me that if I waited one more day, there was, I compared it to two movie reels, like a second feature at a drive-in theater. Here's the first feature of my life. And here's the second feature. Well, the second feature was never going to get played unless I quit that day. I just knew that it would be wherever wow. this was Amazing. leading me. Now, I made sure that I didn't have, there was no money left. There was, there was nothing physical left because in my mind, I'm going, this would be the greatest comeback with God. All things are possible ever. Well, when I woke up that morning, it was like Groundhog Day. Something was different. And I... I was free. I prayed that night before I went to bed. I said, God, if I have this big platform calling, I want to be freed of the desire for all these drugs, um, cigarettes, every, everything, everything that I yeah. had addiction. In. I wanted to be free of that desire forever. And I was, I woke up and it was free of the desire. Well, now that was so for me, that was Crazy. so such a change that I thought that's when I had my, um, when I came to Jesus, right? That's what I thought I had, you know, that I was saved. Well, you have to fast forward, everybody. I'll go to the spring of 2015. And in that spring, I had all, I was writing my book then I had all these stories laid out on a table. And this pastor had said, I don't know what to leave in or what to leave out. And he said, he said, Mike, pick any one of your stories. And I grabbed one. And I read, he said, read it. And I read it. And there was a miracle within that story and that little piece of my life. And he said that a, a, a normal person would have surrendered to Jesus on the spot just by that. He said, maybe all this has happened to you so that you can, um, you know, for you, so that you can actually, um, you know, I was always, show me more, Jesus, show me more, God, Ooh, you know. Wow. And, and it, it really resonated with me. And I had met, by then I had met my, uh, my current wife, Kendra, and she had, she had told, I met her in, in 2014. And by that time, my pillow was millions of dollars in debt. And we were just, we were within two days of going under. And, and she said, pray, you know, we prayed for favor and, and, but she kept telling me, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I go, yes, I do. I believe in God. I believe in God. I've always worn my cross on TV. And in fact, I would argue with people that called in 
and I'd have Christians call in and saying, you're just wearing that cross to sell pillows. And I'm going, and I would send them pictures of me being in the crack house with that cross on, right? <laughs> and back in the day. And then if, if atheists or somebody would call that didn't believe in God, I would argue with them rather than telling them a pill, argue with them about God and they'd get saved. And I go there, take that. No, you get, you know, and, uh, but for, for me, uh, more things had to happen. I was always, show me more, God, show me more. And then some, the spring of 2015, things started happening to me. Um, you know, I had a dream that I would meet Donald Trump uh, in a room. And I'm going, why would I want to meet Donald Trump? I had heard about him, of course, everybody had. Well, then a month later, he runs for president. And it's quite a story over those next couple years of things that happened that I know, you know, could only happen with God, all things are possible. Well, um, I was, it was, it got to be February 18th, 2017 is the day that I went into, I was invited to this thing called a drop zone. It's for actually for veterans, even though I'm not a veteran. It was a miracle that I was even in that program. Yeah, it was a short wow. program. And I went in there with hope. And on the second day, on February 18th, 2017, I did a full surrender that day. And it was the biggest relief I had forgiven myself for something that everybody else and God had already forgiven me for. And here I was able to, two months later, actually go out in front of 60,000 people. My biggest fear of speaking to two people in the same room, it was gone. And um, my friends, uh, I remember my friends seeing me at the White House. I was invited to the White House right during that time. And I had already been saved and I'm sitting next to the president. I had never, I'd only met him one other time and we're, and he had went out publicly all over the world where I'm sitting next to him as a manufacturer summit. And all my ex-crack crack friends are going, what is this crackhead he's doing <laughs> sitting next to the president? He goes, Jesus oh. is real because that would be impossible. So totally. it was, uh, it's been a long journey, but it's well, there's that picture miracle. of you right there. They threw that up there. Right, right. No. Wow. So, so well, when I, when I thought I had, when I thought I had been saved because it was such a difference in my life of being freed from the addictions, mm. uh, it took another eight years before I should have full surrender. Really? Yeah. Well, you, you know, I, that's interesting because when you surrendered, uh, the one that you just described a minute ago, that was like six years ago only. Is that right? Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, yeah. February 18, 2017. So you are in, in many ways... You could almost be considered even now a, a baby Christian, as it were. Absolutely, that's crazy. <laughs> My wife says it to me all the day. You know, it's a, it, uh, it's a total difference of having that personal relationship. And I want to tell everybody one of the biggest differences I have is, you know, everyone comes to me, Mike. I prayed for this. I prayed for Donald Trump to get back in. I prayed for uh, this economy or whatever they prayed for. It doesn't come to come to fruition. And I said that might not be God's will. Those are reactionary prayers. I, I grew up with them. You know, please, God, get me out of this. I'll never do it again. Then you forget about it, right? Or when things are going good, you're not, you're not praying or you're not doing anything. Then, you know, you become complacent and, and in your own uh, where you're at. Well, I, what I say is that might not be God's will. Those prayers might not be God's will. And when we say, well, where is God's will? God's will is in the word. So I tell people, if you stay in the word, you can be proactive in prayer and they yeah. line up beautifully. You know, things that happen like this morning that happened, I couldn't get through this. What's happened today at my pillow. 
I would bit my company, all my employees look to me for, for that, the strength that we have. We, you know, God is our chairman of the board. Jesus is our chairman of the board. And we just, you know, uh, we don't know why this is happening, but we will get through it. And, uh, um, you know, it's, well, that- a, it's a vicious attack today is what it is. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Well, you, you know, that is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry it happened on the day we met you, but it's good to know it because we're now watching you see the, I, you said it was like the biggest crisis since my pillow was. Yeah, was, it's one of the biggest, one of the biggest right now. And yeah. if that being the case, you're actually standing here. You didn't cancel this interview, which you certainly could have canceled this because of that. I would have granted you all kinds of grace. Of course. Yeah. Go take care of business. But that, that is screaming a message from you to the people that are watching you that, that when you're experiencing the greatest crisis in your life, you can continue to share the story of Jesus Christ and amazing. Do you feel like Mike, that you were, you kept asking God for more. He wanted more. He wanted him to show you more. Were were you walking a timed path, or did you feel like was there any stubbornness that you could have been saved earlier, or do you feel like you were just walking and you got saved right when you were? Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I, you know, we talk about being. If you read my book, everyone says, "Oh, you were so incorrigible," but for me, it was once I realized, you know, I just always knew, even way back when, that that I was going to be, especially, I thought it was always going to be about addiction, about helping millions of people out of addiction, even while I was addicted. And, Crazy. and I knew, and, and God would always answer my reactionary prayers. I mean, I had okay. 14 near death experience. I've had guns to my head. I've had uh, swords <laughs> to my throat. I've had, I've been in situations where I think now, wow, I was so protected. But once I knew that I had this platform or this calling um, that's when I went into procrastination going, Hey, I, you know, that sounds horrible. I won't have my, my drugs to, as a, as a, um, uh, to mass pain and all the, yeah. you know, all this responsibility that I'm seeing. But like I say, back then in two, and my sister said to me, she goes, it's going to be much bigger than what you're thinking. I'm going to, I'm already imagining, you know, helping, you know, millions of people out of addiction. By the way, I do have the Lindell recovery network.com and, uh, org is free to anyone out there in addiction. I, I just want to mention that because oh, that's really with, good. My plat- with my platform online there, it's um, getting off of addiction is just a bonus. You're finding Jesus because you will be saved. You know, that's the big, that's the big win. And, so uh, good. So no, good. Well, no. well, Mike, thank you so much. I'm going to jump off into the next uh, thing where I'm going to play a minute and a half clip here that we got from your site that people will enjoy this and then we're going to ask you the next question so uh, go ahead and play that okay. this is a war on national security this is a war between good and evil this is a war that will affect what our country becomes i just want to know everyone out there all the evil that's out there we are never quitting till we get to the truth ever through all the chaos that is our history through all of the wrongs and discord, through all the pain and suffering, through all our times, there is one thing that has nourished and elevated our souls, and that is our faith in God and courage. We must be brave. And I encourage you to use this time at home to get back in the Word, read our Bibles, and spend time with our families. 
we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. Elections have consequences. These selections are transforming the spirit of our country. The focus of the entire nation must be on this event. God gave me a platform for a voice for such a time as this. We as a people must stand for the American dream. One nation under God for liberty and justice for all. If the election of 2020 didn't happen, we would never, ever, ever have gotten to this great place we're going to get to. Trust me on that, ever. This was all God's plan, and we are in the greatest revival for Jesus in history. God bless you all. Talk for a minute about that Lindell event, because the, because that's part of the clips. So I want people to know about that, and then I'm going to ask you yeah. to jump off on. Once you're done talking about that, talk about your platform with, for the election. So go, go for it. Yeah, well, I want to tell everyone, um, by the way, at that event, everybody, you have to spread the word on that. And, I'll t- and uh, because we are going to reveal the plan that God's given me that will uh, fix our elections. And uh, it's amazing. We've been working on it for over a year. But um, I want to bring everybody back a little bit. Um, you know, I had never voted. Obviously, I was a crack addict. In fact, the first event I ever spoke at for Donald Trump was uh, was uh, at an event. It said, yesterday I was hearing on... I was interviewed on a radio show and they said they were interviewing me as the founder of my pillow and a former Democrat. I, I got right on there and corrected him. I didn't find my pillow. I invented my pillow. I was never a former Democrat. I was a former crack addict and uh, everybody <laughs> went crazy. But, but um, um, you know, I got brought into this. Um, if you go, go back, um, I remember I had that dream that I would meet Donald Trump in a room where that came to fruition on August 15, 2016, everybody, that was the lowest he was in the polls too, by the way, ever. Uh, and, and they said, you're never going to meet him alone. And, and whatever you do, don't tell me you were a crack addict and all these advice from people. Right. And, and so it was a miracle that I was even going to have this meeting and I could, and for the sake of time. I, um, yeah, well, I will tell, yeah, I will tell that because uh, it's very, I kept, by the time it got to be the summer of 16, after I had that dream that I'd meet him in a room in the spring of 15, and he came down the escalator and he's running for for being president, um, I had to learn real quick what a conservative was, was a liberal, what's a Republican, what's a Democrat. I had to learn, I, had, I knew nothing. I had never voted in my life. I didn't, I figured politics didn't affect me. Here, wow. give me another hit of my crack pipe or whatever it was. And, uh, um, so by the time it got in the summer of, of six of 2016, I was actually going out to California for a movie. It's called church people, everybody great movie too, if you ever want to watch it. But, uh, I was going out to film that and I was up in the, I had my phone set for, um, to ding whenever I got an email. Okay. It was a, it was a new phone and I had just got up uh, to 10,000 feet and set my Wi-Fi, and I opened up this magazine and, uh, it was about Donald Trump, and and I sat there in the front. Now remember, I'm not saved yet, but I'm but I'm uh, I still I still would always pray, and I'm going, God, what do I have to do with you know? I know I've seen this picture. Do I have you know? Will you give me an answer? I need an answer if I'm supposed to meet. Remember, this was already uh, you know early August of 21, or I mean of uh, 16. At that moment in time that I prayed, I get my phone ding. It says, Mike, this is Donald Trump. Will you meet me in New York City at Trump Trump? I'm going, God, God. And, and, 
And the guy next to me, he couldn't speak English. And I'm and the, and the flight attendant's going, are you okay? I go, yes, it's a miracle. And it wasn't <laughs> that I was going to, it wasn't that I was going to meet Donald Trump. It's that my prayer was answered in real time. Oh, look at that. Exactly real time. So that meeting ended up coming to fruition. Then I get out there August 15, 2016. I could tell you all things that led up to that. that Can I ask you real quick, real quick, not to interrupt the story, but why did he want you to come out? What was what was his motivation? There was I I I did I didn't know at the time. I I didn't know at the time. So I mean, I went into this, um, but I knew that you know God had God had lined it up. I just knew this is what for me was one of those things that happened that God is real. I was actually out overlooking. Central Park at 3 a.m. on the morning of the uh, the 15th when I met him, and I just started bawling. I'm going, God, why am I, you know, why, what am I picked for here? What does this have to do with wow. all me? You know, I'm just a, I'm just a entrepreneur from Minnesota, an ex, an ex addict, and and anyway, I get, I get there, and remember, they said I never meet him alone. When miracles started happening, where people kept getting peeled off or right to, ready to go in his office. To, and at 10 o'clock came, the last guy gets peeled off by a phone call and his his um, longtime executive assistant came and got me and said, you don't have to wait for them, go right in. And it was just the way it was. It was him and I, he looks, he says, Mike, you always wear your cross. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, Mr. Trump. And this is a divine appointment. Well, what it was then, we started talking back and forth and I found out he basically was asking me, doing his due diligence about me making manufacturing here in the USA, you know, doing my own manufacturing for my pillow and how does this work out? And, and right, he started asking me that and right away I go, yeah, I go, you know, I used to be a crack addict and I'm, and I kind of went like this <laughs> and he, uh, um, and I said, I'm going to have a, a, a recovery network, a Lindell recovery network that's going to help millions of addicts. And he said, I'm going to stop the drugs pouring into the Southern border and, it was this 40 minute talking. It Praise was like God. a friend, a friend that I, it was like instant, you know, friendship Bonding there. That was just yeah. like, yeah, he really cared about what I had to say, which was, I was just amazed by that. But then I left there and I went and talked to a lot of his employees and every one of them said the same thing. Great man, great leader, but he had done something for them personally to help them. And if you know, in 2016, nobody Nobody, uh, not one of his employees came forward and said anything negative, even though they tried to make or buy him off to say something. But they were just he's such a good, such a great uh, boss that then none of them could even go across that line. Well, anyway, I got back to Minnesota then and I was against the advice of my board who said, if you do a press release, which I was the media's darling. And if they said, how many employees you got? ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox News, they'd all come flocking in going, look at this manufacturing, the American dream here, right? What a story from an ex-crack addict to uh, uh, thousands of employees. And, and um, so I get back to Minnesota and I wanted to do a press release just saying I met Donald Trump. I didn't even put what, what, what we talked about or anything. And my one guy, my uh, corporate attorney says, I, if you do that, you're going to lose half our company or half our business. And I went out in the hallway and I was upset. And one of the gal on the board came out and said, we didn't get this all this way by you not listening to God. And I went back in there. I said, we didn't get all this way by me not listening to God. We're doing there that press go. release. Well, then we did it, everybody. And we were attacked. I was called a racist. I was just a 
attack like you wouldn't believe. But I didn't realize that those were hired attackers. They weren't people. They, you know, this is on your social media and your platforms there. And, and um, you know, the Better Business Bureau took us from an A plus to an F, if everybody remembers back then. It made a national press release out of it. We were attacked like I've never been attacked. I'm going, but I didn't, I just knew, you know, um, that praying to God, well, that was a reactionary prayer. Remember, I wasn't saved yet. That was the fall of 16. And then wow. just like, I prayed, God, God, did I make a mistake? Please, God. So all those things that happened led me to get saved on February 18, 2017. Now I'm going to go forward, everybody. We all know, you know, the attacks. When I spoke, and you just seen it on that little clip there, when I was spoke at the Rose Garden that time for manufacturers, and when I was put out there right before the China virus, when I did that, I said, we need to spend time in your Bibles, reading your, you know, and with our families. I was attacked like you wouldn't believe. I did 107 interviews in five days, but it was, it was good interviews and also people attacking over here. You know, it was, it was, I'm going, what did I say? You know, um, you know, it was like, but those were all training to get up to where, obviously, where we are now. We're probably the most attacked company, um, you know, next to yeah. Donald Trump and then in the country. Well, anyway, I want to tell everyone the miracles, though, that we're in right now. Yeah. Is if you go back, and I'm going to tell everybody this, if if we hadn't had an election night on, on November 4th at 3 a.m., if it wouldn't have broke the algorithm, Donald Trump was going to win all those states anyway despite the steal, the cyber steal, he was going to win anyway. And it got, and you know what? They, they miscalculated and that made these deviations come up where they stopped everything for a week. Had they, had they not beat the algorithms, we would have all went to bed that night. Biden would have won. And we would have all looked around and said, well, we took God out of our schools. They brainwashed our youth in college and no, and everybody has turned to the, the, our, our evil ways that, you know, but that wasn't the truth. The truth is um, people that uh, are out there, it's not a 50-50 country of, of like people have put these in two categories politically. Well, anyway, so we would have lost our country forever. The next thing is on December 14th, if they would have overturned it then and said Donald Trump's won, I was speaking out front of the Supreme Court then, uh, we would have lost our country forever. Really? And I was saying, what? yeah, and uh, and... Now I'm going to tell you on where I was on January 4th. I'm going to give you some significant dates, everybody. On January 4th of 2021, I was down in Georgia when they were doing the runoff for the two centers. I'm sure everybody remembers this. When they did that, I got on my knees and I prayed to God that they would steal both those senators. And now don't ever go, well, Mike, you did this to us. Well, let me tell you, if I, if I was their marketer, I would have said, Give them back uh, Republicans so they shut up about this election. They had already, it was out everywhere, the cyber, the cyber evidence. There was so much evidence out there of so much crime and so much election crime. Well, it would have been very easy for them to shut up the country and just give back a Republican. They already had three corrupted uniparty senators anyway. They didn't need any more. But, and so... If they would have done that, everyone over here would have been, the whole country would have said, oh, well, get them back in 2022. We still have the Senate. We'll just campaign harder. You couldn't campaign any harder, everybody. Now, I want to tell you this. When they took, when they stole them both, everybody remembers where you were at. 
And everyone's going, hey, maybe there was election crime because your heart sank. It was over. You heard that the rumors are going to pack the Supreme Court and our country's gone forever. That's the way everybody felt that day. But evil is greedy. And thank God that evil is greedy. But they had a backup plan. And what that backup plan was January 6th, everybody. On January, and the one, a couple of the most important dates in history have been overlooked. And that's January 7th and 8th. Really? Those, yeah, those two days, everybody, were the days that they tried to turn out our lights forever, meaning our voice. When Ronald Reagan said, we're like a beacon on a hill, a light on a hill, and if the lights go out here, they go out everywhere. 1.2 million Americans got deplatformed on the 7th and 8th, including Donald Trump's Twitter account. I had no idea. People. That literally happened right. just like that. That, that, that. happened right after January 6th. They went to silence everybody. If you were a church, you got deplatformed on YouTube, Vimeo, Google, all these places, Suckabucks, Facebook, Twitter, all these things you got deplatformed that day. Those were the people that had spoke out about the elections and the ones that hadn't spoke out, they didn't get deplatformed, but they were in fear. They were in such fear because of January 6th, if they spoke, they were in fear they'd be hauled away like others did, all these things. But also on January 7th, what was overlooked there was John Radcliffe, the head of the National Defense, whatever, came out and said, China intruded into our election. And that was a letter he put out on January 7th. Now, those two days, I compare it to, and when I was growing up, we had black and white TVs, and they went down to a, we turned them off, and they went down to a little tiny right, dot, right, little and dot, we sat right. there, and we turned it back <laughs> on, and it all came back to life. Well, that <laughs> dot, everybody, was our voice. One of the best marketers in history was Goebbels for Hitler, and he would, the propaganda they put out, and the fear they put into people, they took away people's voice in, in Germany, in Nazi Germany. Our voice was that little dot. But I'll tell you, on, on January 9th, I was given evidence on January 9th that I believe changed everything. And, and they gave me this evidence, and I, just, and I tried to get that to the president on January 15th. It has a, it has a government re restraining or a gag order on it. But when I went to the when I went to the White House on January 15th, I needed to get that release sign, and I'll I'll fast forward through that. I get pushed from the president upstairs to. The I remember lawyers. that. I was going to ask yep. you about that today, Mike, because right. I thought, are they who's coming against this guy inside the White House? So yeah, go right. ahead. Right. So when I got there, I needed I had two things with me. Lawyers had given me this envelope that was sealed, which had which I didn't know what was in there. And said if you get a meeting with him. Remember, everybody, this is January 15th of 2021. This is nine days after January 6th, five days or whatever it was before the inauguration or this uh, hoax inauguration. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, anyway, I get in there and I get this. I get uh, that was a miracle even to get a meeting with the, with the president. Then. Mm -hmm. But I get in there and there's a guy, one guy in the room and, and another one. And I show him this evidence. Um, this just this piece of cyber evidence. For me, it explained everything. I For two months, one of the things that bothered me the most back then was all, all the states had uh, people that voted in their state that didn't live in their state or had passed away, one or the other, or both. Well, it was actually both. And I'm going, wait a minute. In Minnesota, 
5,000 people didn't march in Wisconsin and say, hey, hey, y'all, come with me. We're going to commit a felony we're gonna, or we're going to commit a crime anyway and vote for Biden or vote for whoever. People, I go, people are genuinely good people. In Nevada, 8,000 people march into Nevada and vote illegally. I didn't believe it. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Well, then when I got the evidence, I could see it was all done with computers, right? Well, or most of it. So what I did, I get in there with the president and I show him this and, he, and I said, there's a government order on it. There was a guy named Dennis Montgomery. It was, a, and I said, but there's an, he worked for the government with the CIA. He had all this, but it has a state secret uh, act on it that has to be released. So I tried to get the president, can you sign this? And we're fine. We can release all the evidence that's over. And, and then he says, well, bring it upstairs to the lawyers. He had a guy there, bring it up and have the lawyers look at it. And he was being careful. Well, then they said, and this came from other lawyers as some recommendations. And he opened it up, and uh, um, the first recommendation was actually to fire the guy that was sitting there being pushed back on this that was a, uh, a, what I consider a bad guy. <laughs> and they bring that, and now that's opened up. They bring it upstairs to lawyers. They bring me back downstairs at the West Wing of the White House, and, and they said, it's going to be uh, a couple of hours before you can meet with them. Um, you just will go. And I said, I am not leaving until that right, that man in that other room, that president tells me I can go because I'm not leaving. So they went back upstairs upset. Now I asked the gal if I could use my phone. You can't use your phone in there. But it was five days, you know, it was, I know it was uh, January 15th. She goes, well, you know what, Mike, go ahead. So I walked outside the West Wing of the White House where just that Marine stands there. There's no one else out there. I'm talking to my son about my pillow or whatever we were talking about and I look over the hill and the media is coming running at me like a herd of buffalo tripping over really? the cameras over the horizon. That picture had been taken by the Washington Post, the famous picture that says martial law, as I'm yeah. on my phone, and it says martial law. I had no idea. I've never read that, everybody. The guy had just handed me back them papers, so that had been opened up, right? Well, every, oh, the media had heard about it, I guess, so they come running over the hill and they all stopped in front of that where they can't go any further. And I said, would you, I told my son, I got to go. This is crazy. I go, I go, you guys, I, would you all like me to answer questions? And they all went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I changed my mind. You all find something real nice to say about me. And boy, did they. That uh, as I leave the White House then to fast forward, I'm crossing the bridge over into Virginia. I was with 12 people. We were going to eat. And Ben Carson, we, I got on the phone with Ben Carson. He's a friend of mine. We had become great friends. And he says, he says, well, I said, did you get it signed? And I said, no, I said, they pushed me out of there. The, and uh, he said, and I said, I was so down and he goes, well, you know what? He goes, maybe God's timing is different than ours. Maybe stuff has to happen in our country before God reveals, you know, that has to reveal so many things and it's on his timing not our timing. Yeah. And it was those it was those words that he said to me, gave me a piece. I get over to Virginia and the next thing I get was from my daughter. She's got there's a picture of me it went worldwide with martial law papers 9 days after January 6th written right the moment I look like a spy at the White House, right? She goes, "Get out of there." Well, I knew that that was that picture was meant to be because the odds of that happening were trillions to it one. was so it was an accidental someone snapped a shot 
shot a snap of this thing that said martial law of a document you had not even read. Is that right? I had not even read. I didn't even know what was on it. They had given it to me from upstairs. So, but that, uh, but the memory, the media, when the media wants to silence people like me, they just don't even attack me. And they learn that from that point after nowadays, right now, I'm not in the media at all right now. And they didn't even call me with this indictment going on and everything. It's just flatline because they go, they know Mike Lindell is going to talk about one thing. I'm going to talk about the revival we're in. Or I'm going to talk about fixing our election. And they don't want to hear that, right? They don't want to hear So it. anyway, right. So what happened then is that started an attack that was of historical proportions. Hmm. They attacked box stores. I lost my plants overseas. We, had to, we, we were losing three box stores a day. But I was in the media from morning till night attacked for and it, never, it just didn't let up and and i'm going to tell you everybody where we're at now is our voice our voice has grown so there's two things that have happened from all this one is platforms change i came out i i started frank speech because when i launched absolute proof on february on february 4th 2021 on february 4th that's another significant date in history everybody Fox News got sued by Smartmatic, okay? When they did that, that started lawfare in this country. And it hadn't been done since 17, like the late 1700s. And, and that and put- Can I just inter- interject here for a second so people know what that means? If someone launches warfare against you, that you can understand lawfare is, we use, is launching one lawsuit after another, after another, after another, to try and break you. Is that what you mean by lawfare? Well, and, or to silence and to put fear in anybody else that would speak out. Okay. Okay. What what that accomplished on February fourth of twenty twenty one? When they did that, we lost all of our big conservative media overnight. That's your Newsmax, Fox, all of Salem media. All of them were afraid of getting sued or already were sued, and they went silent. No one's been able to go on there and talk about our elections, whether good things are going on or bad, ever again. Uh, and it's, so it was over. Lawfare. So we lost the conservative voice. What did we have left? We only had one thing left. All the fake news media, the attack media that was attacking me every day, that they, they helped me because I was able to get the word out. They would attack, Mike, you lost three more boxers today. How do you feel about that? Did you hear about China? Did you hear about the Uniparty attacking us? You hear about the machines? You hear about our elections? I just never shut up, right? It was because I feel with God, if we, I lose my company anyway if we don't fix this, right? Well, right. what they did then, at, on February 5th, we launched Absolute Proof. And when that movie launched, 150 million people seen that movie. This was right before the impeachment trial. Really? 150 so, million, wow. 150 million, even though they canceled it on every single platform worldwide, you didn't even know it existed, but the people spread the word, right? When that came out, the media didn't talk to me for 18 days, everybody, which actually scared me going, you know what? If It doesn't matter how much evidence we have. It doesn't matter how much we know. If, the, if nobody, if you can't talk, it's over, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what they tried to do to us, silence the voice. I want to ask you, that, I, I, I want to ask you, I'll make sure, because we got about 10 minutes um, and I don't want to be honor your time if I, because you said you had an hour. Let me ask you two quick questions to make sure I get them in. One was, it's along the lines of what you're talking about. I, when you ended up on Jimmy Kimmel, I thought, what's he thinking? And, yeah. and someone would say, someone, I would hear someone say, 
he's crazy. And someone else would say, yeah, he's crazy, like a fox. And I think it's the latter. We'll talk about the Jimmy right. Kimmel and why you did that. And what do you think right. about it now? And there was there was two times I went on Jimmy Kimmel. Everybody. The first time was the, was the spring of 21. And okay. when I went on Jimmy Kimmel, you know, we were speaking. It was a way to get my voice out. I knew I was going to get attacked. Everybody told me not to go on there. Don't go on there. He's going to attack you. <laughs> they planned that. You know, um, his show is owned by ABC, owned by uh, Evil Disney. And and they told him not to have me on. Don't, you know, you really? know, but they, but yeah, but they, they wanted to, they wanted to destroy me and completely destroy, put that last sword in me and it'll be over. Well, when I went on there, Jimmy had read my book. I found out that from the producer. So if everybody realized when I came on there and it was the first time live with there was uh, without masks. I mean, that you know, that they uh, without the audience had just come back. Well, when I kind of took it over and he was trying to mock uh, addiction and compare me to Hunter Biden uh, being a crack addict and all these different things. But I had been hammered so much for three for three months. And my answer is, you don't have to think of your answer if you're not, if you're telling the truth, it's always That's the truth. Same. And it was, I prayed in the green room, I remember, and him reading my book, he was torn. Halfway through that episode, everybody, we went to a commercial and Jimmy said, I said, you read my book, Jimmy. I said, they, I said, I heard you read my book. I said, you know, they attacked you last summer for doing blackface in the 90s. I said, they're trying to destroy me. And like the and, and we have to unite our country, unite the people. And, and Jimmy said, and Jimmy said to me, he goes, Mike, the difference is, he says, I did something really bad. All you've done is back a man you believe in. So Jimmy was torn. He had been torn by that book. And when that when that show aired, tens of millions. It was his most watched episode, I think, the whole, of that whole year. But tens of millions of people seen hope that they've seen that voice that was gone. You didn't hear about anything that there, hey, there is, there is truth out there. There is evidence out there. It backfired on what they wanted to do. It completely well, backfired. And the one, and the one that I saw was the one where they had you stand inside the the claw machine. The machine. Thing. No, that one was. Go yeah, ahead. And that, and that one was recent. Everybody, if you get a chance, go watch that. Once again, when the media silences me. Okay, which they've done where they don't talk or attack me. Jimmy had made a thing on his show because him and I have become kind of strange. All the people on the left have become um, somewhat friends. I've witnessed to so many people on wow. the left. A lot of the media on the left, everybody, I have to tell them to attack me more in their articles or their bosses will not print it. I say, you know, you've got to, you've got to call me some more names here or your oh bosses will goodness. never print it. Unbelievable. Now, now, when I went on Jimmy Kimmel on there, that was not scripted. And he had made a comment on TV that the only way we'll have Mike Lindell is if he gets inside a claw machine because he's not vaccinated. And, <laughs> and when I got what, what really helped me there, I was in the green room again. And Jimmy had done this whole like monologue thing that everything I wanted to get the word out, um, he had already said in that. So I had a piece about me because... I always worried that I could, I needed to get the word out. And, but er, the way he put the questions, it was one thing after another with that little kid going, it's rigged, it's rigged, it's rigged. And, but Jimmy <laughs> said something to me right out of the gate, everybody. He said, Mike, he said, um, something about the, you don't believe in machines. Uh, you don't believe that you're inside a machine and you're against the machines. I go, 
Jimmy, remember when we were growing up, we thought these carnival games were rigged, but when we when we spoke out about them, we didn't get sued, did we? And that was what, you know, that resonated <laughs> with him. And after I was done, everybody, after the after it ended, Jimmy invited me upstairs, and he hadn't done that the last one. His parents were there to meet me. Really? And his mother, and his mother, they came just for that. And his mother said to me, Mike, you know, your people attack my son all the time. And I'm going, well, I don't know what people you're talking about, but you do know your son attacks a lot of people himself. And she goes, oh, you're so, she goes, oh, you're so special. We read your book. And she, she was just <laughs> looking for that reaction. But then Jimmy came out and he asked me, he said, Mike, do you really believe that we can get rid of all these um, computers in our elections and stuff? And he said, and he, and he says, do, do we have anything to replace them? And I said, yes, Jimmy. I said, I have studied with France, Germany, the Netherlands, the UK, all paper ballots, hand counted. We developed a better system here than all of them put together. And he and he actually was encouraging, you know, because it's part of his shtick out there. He's very torn. And you get, this is what my prayers have been for the media on the left, for them to start getting, just getting torn and maybe come to, you know, you come to Jesus and it opens it up for him, right? Well, they, uh, because we've had our biggest thing is our voice and and uh, they have me, gotten bigger than ever. Let me ask you this about, uh, uh, here's a short version. I, I'm not saying one affects the other, but they might. That's going to be my question. Bed Bath & Beyond existed. Then they refused to carry Mike Lindell products anymore. And now they don't exist. They went bankrupt. Is there a connection, do you feel, or what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and, you know, I've seen people putting up um, um, memes and stuff when that happened. You shouldn't have done this to my pillow and that. But you know what? I prayed for them. I prayed for their – they had some very tragic things happen there because they made horrible decisions back then, as did a lot of other ones that I can name. Your Coles of the world, your, your Costco's, all of them attacked. Uh, H-E-B in Texas. I mean, none of them have taken anything back or – or we've, uh, you know, we've, that we've circled back to them and they're still afraid of something that these aren't their real customers. They're real customers. They wanted my pillow. And there's a big, um, you know, it was horrible decisions. And I pray for them that they, uh, a lot of people lost their jobs and um, over management, making decisions, going woke, you know, Walmart did this to me last year. That really hurt us. And i I put right up on Frank's speech, the, the chairman's uh, talking to Hunter Biden, a 40 minute uh, conversation. Wow. I just pushed back and going, you know, all your stuff, you copy people and make it in China. Shame on you, Walmart. You know, um, this is what we're we're learning. And it's in a way, you know, people are getting this is the good things that are happening. Everybody is all this stuff that God's revealing over the last two and a half years. This is all on his timing. Maybe more things have to be revealed. We have all the terrible, crooked politicians, and I can sit here and name them, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, we're going to forgive them and pray for them. These are That's the good. uniparty. These are the uniparty people. We have, uh, you know, they, everyone says, well, Mike, what attacked our country? You know, and remember the Democrat party wanted the machines gone for two decades. And, and, and the Republicans wanted to keep them. I fight more Republicans on these machines, computers, than really? all the Democrats combined. That's yes, true? Wow. It, it is true. But here's what happened. You have the Uniparty, the globalists, the deep state, and the CCP. 
They're the ones that attacked and have attacked our country. That now you add the Democrat Party on there, you have this five-pronged cabal. Well, I will tell you that it's revealed so many, so much corruption. And people say, "Well, Mike, um, you know the, the all these all the election nonsense. The, the judges have looked at it and ruled. Not one judge, everybody in the United States, has ruled on the evidence based on merit. It's all been kicked out for standing." Or they, um, um, or they put sanctions on lawyers. So they're, they're kicking it out for technicalities that support. They're mostly they're stupid technicalities. They don't want to look at. It. They're, they they're, don't want to look, look at. It. Here, here's what I'm comparing it, everybody. I compare this over the place we're in to Al Capone. Al Capone, back in the day in Chicago, they couldn't get him on murder, bootlegging, gambling. Um, racketeering, none of that. Why? He had he had police in his back pocket. He put the fear into the rest of the people. He had judges in his pocket. So what did they do? They came at it from a different angle, which was what? Tax evasion. And he ended up spending the rest of his life for tax evasion. I'm telling you, we have tried everything and we're going to keep going with our lawsuits and we're keep going. I have a big one, just my cell phone tomorrow. I'm going to be one of the most important cases. Everyone goes, Mike, whatever happened to your cell phone? I sued the government and the FBI on that. Tomorrow in, in, in Minnesota, I'm going to be there um, after tonight going with uh, our great real president going up to, uh, to support him. You're going to go see, you're going to go see President Trump uh, in, yeah, when, yeah. when he's arraigned. Is that what you're going to do when he's arraigned? No, no, I'm going, I'm going. I'm leaving after this to head up to uh, New Jersey to Bedminster because he's going to do a, a, pre or a press conference to the world. Okay. And I'm going to be there right. to support it. But oh, wow. tomorrow I'm going to be in Minneapolis with my phone. And this is a First Amendment right, what they did. This is part of a cover-up. This is a civil case, everybody, not the criminal case that's going on in, in um, Colorado. So what this is, if you go to Frank's speech, we have the evidence up there what's inside the machine. And then we're going to be able to backdrag this into court. This might end up at the Supreme Court. But my point being is we're keeping with those things. We have over almost 100 lawsuits going on across the country. We have people at all levels doing stuff. But I'm coming at this at a different angle, everybody. 51 countries have lost their countries to these computers and these electronic voting machines. 51. The last one being Brazil and South America. They have all of South America now. I'm friends with, with President Bolsonaro. And he's got, there is still hope down there. But well, there uh, is. That's, Good. A, that's, another, that's another conversation, but it's a long time away. The hope is here. What we have, this event I have coming up, and you can get there at frankspeech.com. We're on the both app stores. But go right check there. Lindell, Lindell event. Yeah, frankspeech.com. But the Lindell event.com, this event, we need to spread the word of it everywhere. The only way, this is a, a, a relative of mine. She had to was taking these vitamins that we had got. And I asked the guy, the doctor, I said, I said, does, does, is this going to work? He said, it only fails if you don't take the vitamins or whatever it was. Well, I'm telling you, this new plan that we have that I believe was given for you from God, that this new plan uh, that we're going to announce and reveal on August 16th and 17th will completely help save this country. It is, wow. And it's never been done before in really? history. It's never really? been talked about before. I compare that. Yeah. So, so everybody, you need to go to LindellEvent.com and you need to spread the word about this event. 
The only way this doesn't work is if people don't watch that event. It needs to be the most televised event in history. You remember everybody watched Elvis Presley in 1973, Haloa from Hawaii, where one third of the, I think one third of the world's population seen that or one fourth. Really? Well, we, we need to have everybody watching this because when this happens, everyone's gonna go on August 18th, go, wow, this is gonna work, it's beautiful. It is beautiful, and and um, um, but the only way, like I say, we have to spread the word, share it on all your platforms. You know what I tell everybody? Don't just live on one. You know, the media has changed. A few people that have lost hope out there, they're probably watching Fox News all day long. You're not going to get your country back by watching a president fall up the stairs or can't talk right. That's uh, that's all deflection, everybody. You can badmouth them all them all you want and talk about Ukraine, talk about all this other stuff, or, or even in this indictment. This is all deflection. This is what they want. They do not want Donald Trump coming back to lead us, but they definitely don't want the machines gone, okay? They they want a selections. The Uniparty's been doing it for a long time, and we lose our country. We have one chance in history to change our the course. So my, and, God, that, and, and God has what, given us grace. I just want to say this. When I prayed at the Rose Garden at the beginning of this, you showed the clip. I said, yeah. God has given us grace for such a time as this. People look at me all the time and say, well, Mike, this doesn't feel like grace. Oh, yeah. We, we've been given grace right now. When you see things happening all around you, God's it's happening for a reason. And when we get to this great place, uh, you're going to say everything had to happen for a reason. And you know what? If that if the if the biggest reason is we're in the biggest revival for Jesus Christ in history, there you go. People are turning for hope, and that hope is Jesus. There you go, Mike. So uh, Mike Lindell, I'm so grateful for you, and uh, man, you have. Uh, I mean, I know Mike Pillow was there was everything, but it's like the real contribution in life is not the contra not the comfortable pillow that I even own myself. I do. Very comfortable. <laughs> but but the real contribution is what you've been doing these last few years after you've only been saved, if I if I, if I heard that right, about six years. Is that yeah, a, yeah, is, by the way, right. do you have a photographic memory? You knew all those dates off the top of your head. Does that come natural to you? Well, I used to be a professional card counter. You'll have to read my book. You were? Oh, I need to read that then. So one of the things is is that, you know, I took calculus, I believe, in ninth grade. One of the things I'm still here is numbers and deviation in numbers. So this is another thing with all these deviations that happened in our elections. I look at this with, uh, you know, I look at numbers every day. So that was right in my in my wheelhouse there. Of that. Wow. You know, I really I really believe God prepared myself and, and so many millions of others for such a time as this. And, We're and in the greatest time to be alive, everybody. This for is the greatest sure. time. I know you yeah. got to go. Let me just ask. So if, if I'm reading this right, and that even what you said there in the Rose Garden, I think I'm reading it right when you're saying now, when, when it was first stolen, we tried to reverse it right away. But now, a year and a half, two and a half years, three and a half years, whatever it is, I get confused of how long it's been. Since yeah. then, we have now seen tons and tons and tons and tons of exposure and the and the half of it hasn't been told yet so now are you saying it was a grace that this thing got stolen so that this stuff could all come what would you absolutely. say absolutely that is the grace everybody and a hundred percent you're spot on another part is this if you go to december of 2019 everybody's physical lives got better it was the highest consumer confidence ever i don't care where you started you physically it was better 
best unemployment. I mean, everything was great, right? But you think people were on their knees going, thank you, Jesus, thank you, and coming to the Lord? No, absolutely not. Now they're pouring into, the, into Jesus. Crazy, because wow. they're, looking, they're looking for hope, and that hope is Jesus. But the grace is that they, yes, evil was caught, and evil is greedy, everybody. And maybe more has to be revealed before, before we get to this great place. But just enjoy where we're at and just look at it from a different point that everything you're praying for, if you're praying and it's not coming true, it might not be God's will. So that's stay good. in the word, get it. And that, that's where God's will is and be proactive in prayer and it'll be amazing. Perfect. Thank you so, so much, Mike. I hope we can do this again. God bless you, everyone. A quick reminder that Kim Robinson will be with us in the morning, 11 o'clock Pacific. Thank you again, Mike. I appreciate it so, so Thank much. Thank you. God bless Thank you again, everybody. Thank you. See you all later. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.